With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, we're with you for the next couple of hours, and we appreciate you uh, being here with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we will start things off with David Eicholt. He covers the Hawkeyes uh, for HawkeyeInsider.com under the 24-7 umbrella. We will uh, get a quick preview of um, what he expects to hear tomorrow at Media Day, what perhaps some of the heard it through the grapevine info is on the Hawks as they go through uh, their first week of fall camp. So David Eicholt at uh, 10.30, followed by Mitch Holtis, who will be back joining us live. Uh, by the way, did you see Mitch's email that he sent uh, yesterday to us? He's traveling. Oh, really? Yes. He, he mentioned that he'll do oh, two of the cities he does. He'll do live. You'll be in the air for the other. So the um, um, I asked him that last week, what the how NFL is going to handle their broadcast teams, and he didn't know at the time. Uh, but there's a little clarity, so that's good as the mm-hmm. uh, get back to normal with the broadcasters actually in uh, the building's home and away. So Mitch Holtis at 10.50. At 11.05, Bill Bender's going to be here. We'll talk about college football with Bill Bender. That's, after all, what he covers for the sporting news. And then at uh, 11.30, we are going to uh, speak to uh, James Fagan from The Athletic. He covers the White Sox. That is his beat. And we will speak with him. Now, he's not going to the Field of Dreams tonight. Right, yeah. He said not going to be there. Obviously knows all the details. has been on all the calls and everything there. But not going to be there. I don't know if that's limitations as it I pertains wonder. to the press box area. How many people are going to be there? I saw one of the Yankees beat writers had his flight canceled. Is that the guy that got in the car and was driving? Yes. So I did see that. Tweet. He was flying out of Newark and yeah. uh, made the decision he was going to hop in the car. Yeah. And he is on his way to Dyersville right now. Yeah, they, the flight was canceled about 12, 13 hours ago. So he's got a chance. That's a lot of driving. But uh, this is maybe, well, I was going to say once in a lifetime, but David Rusk made, uh, made have let the, it slip a little bit yesterday that um, it's his understanding the Cubs are supposed to play in this game next year. Well, what? Mm. Wait a second. Um, you know, Doc mentioned in his piece early in the week that they're going to tear this, uh, tear the stadium down. It's a temporary, it's a removable, and they can set it up a tear down stadium, set it up where they have to. And he thought that that would they were going to come in as um, within the next week, the stadium would be gone. Um, maybe not. Well, and even with that, they can always re- they can right. always put it back up, right? And I think that's kind of the thought process behind it, and. The structure, kind of the area around it, is all going to be there. Right. The baseball field is still going to be a part of it. They don't need the stands for Little League games, high school games, things like that. 
but when it gets to build up to what we get to here, mm-hmm. that he can bring in those removable stands a little bit more. And, and did I think see, the structure will still be there. Yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, did you see the speculation? Cubs cards is oh, the speculation. We'll, pretty we'll good see. One. Look, I hope we'll see after tonight. I, I anticipate, Trent, this is going to be as big an event as we've seen in our state. Now, I wasn't sure that we'd see anything in our lifetime that would... Um, knock the NCAA, the first and second round of the men's basketball tournament, off that perch as I, you know, never sought that thought I'd see that in my lifetime in the state that I call home. Um, and it's still really cool, and it's yes. still really important, and it's coming back in 2023. And congratulations to Chris Conley and your entire staff down there because they've done a remarkable job and made it possible for the NCAA to put Des Moines on the map. But from a national perspective and the way that Fox has devoted the resources that they have and the number of talent hours that will be there and pre-production that they have done for this event tonight, this is going to feel, at least it does to me, that this may be the most watched sporting event in the history of our state. Many times we get enamored with us, and I always like to talk about any connection to Iowa, we're going to glob on you. Know, I anything you at you all. you and I. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Yes. Anything, though, any kind of connection, anything that we right. can do to make it local, right. we're going to go that direction. Yeah. And for a period, kind of the buildup, even a week out, this is just kind of an Iowa thing. And that's why I asked David Kaplan yesterday about mm-hmm. that, about what kind of buzz is there in Chicago? And he said it's immense. Mm-hmm. And nationally, immense listening to national radio shows listening to national podcasts and they're talking about this in a big time way the commercialization of it i've saw some people being negative about that yeah. it's a movie right yeah, come on it, it, it's a book that turned into a movie yes for commercial success mm-hmm. that's what this is I, I know we get warm fuzzy feelings and people have those connections with their dads and let's have a catch those kind of things yeah. i get it taking maybe those feelings and it feels commercialized but ultimately that's what this is. Was the, did, did you use the expression "have a catch"? When uh, we we played catch, we my played dad catch. and I played catch. Yeah, apparently we didn't have is, a catch. This is a more New York type of thing. Oh, is it? Yes, have a catch. That's all right. That's where it comes from. It is more vernacular of the new, Northeast as opposed to I got what you. we have here in the Midwest. Yeah, because Dad and I played catch. We played we catch. Yes, catch. no. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. Look, and I love the expression "stood the test of time." I uh, tried to watch test. it last night. Did you? Yeah, it was on Amazon Prime, got all set up, and blank you, CenturyLink, because internet was Mm. out last night. I was there, kids are in bed, wife went to bed early as we're getting back, trying to normalize our schedule on our way back from vacation. I was up, I was awake, I was ready to go, and it's just spinning and spinning and spinning. I was Mm. so disappointed because I was looking forward to giving it one final look. Yeah, Yeah. well, it's it's probably... um, it's a good thing you didn't. Well, I'll just watch the Cubs because <laughs> that was. I'd already watched that. Oh, disaster! But, all right, so here's the the field, the lights, the fencing, all stays. Everything else will be removed after tonight. Uh-huh. But uh, with the um, fingers crossed, with the option to come right back and do so next year, if it's as good as we think it is, and I anticipate. Look, it's things held him live up to the hype. I think this one will. I'm right I, there with I, you. I think it will, and I don't care if it's nine two. I don't care if it's fourteen to one. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't. I think that this is it's it's more about the game itself. I mean, who cares if the White Sox or the Yankees? Well, Sean Roberts does, <laughs> right? Yeah. And who's the other one? Emery Songer. Yep, yep. Emery Songer. He cares. Janikowski. Sean Janikowski. He's a White Sox fan is as he? well. Yeah. I don't know him. 
I think there's three total. Is there? Maybe in the market. Yeah. I mean, Remember I back when I had is. my twin show yep. up the dial? Yeah. Uh, there was a White Sox fan that used to call in from the south side really? every once in a while. Not very often because the twins are usually taking well, to the White Sox. Well, I'm guessing then. they're going to be a whole lot more vocal here as we, uh, yes. as we move because they got a hell of a baseball team. They have a great chance of winning it all. I think so, too. Yep, I think so, too. I because, wouldn't be surprised if they, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. The American League, what's, it's what's a the price show. on them? It's a good question. I would guess. I'm just going to guess here. Right now, to win the World Series. Eight to one. That's what exactly what I was going to say. Eight to one is yeah. would be my guess. I'll pull it up here on DraftKings and see what it is. But what do you think the Yankees are right now? Oh, they're the Yankees. Right. So and, and that. Well, they should be 10, 12 to one. Right. Probably if you took the yeah, Yankee name away. Eight to one. I bet they're probably the same price. Somewhere in that in that ballpark, somewhere around eight to one. Uh, but they should, be. they should be a higher price. I, I'm with you. By the way, in about oh, five, six, seven minutes, somewhere in that area, um, we were talking with John Cannon yesterday, and he was uh, regaling us with some stories about his friend Greg Knapp, who passed away, taking us kind of behind the curtain uh, with some of the NFL stuff. And we ran out of hour. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, we owe him more because... It was really good stuff. Yeah, so we'll John. have him back on here in a few minutes because, I mean, what can we talk about? Jake Arrieta, it was, you know what? Um, it was embarrassing. Have, it was embarrassing. Yeah. Show your pride. I mean, I know, Trent, it was, ju- it was July the 7th, and he just got shelled. And after the press conference, he mentioned the fact that I know where my stuff ranks in the game. Um, Last? I watch a lot of baseball. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm close. I can still get guys out. Well, no, you can't. No. And and your body of work since that start has been uh, proof in the pudding. He's This is a guy that won two games in the World Series. In 2016, he will always have that spot in Cubs lore. The no-hitters that he threw. Um, what he meant to that team. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll, but don't you want to save a little bit of face and... Because you're embarrassing yourself every time you tow the rubber. You throw batting practice. That's what he's doing right now. ERA approaching 7. His whip, 1.76. It's ridiculous. 20 starts, he's given up 21 home runs. It's it's terrible. There's no way about it. Now the Cubs... You just make the decision, just pull the Band-Aid off. Yes, you do. Pay them for the rest of the year. They've got to buy a buyout. There's a club option for next year. They actually have him sign next year, $10 million if he stays, with a club option to send him on his way and pay him $2 million. Yeah. Well, write that check. Jake Arrieta, he's finished. I hate, I feel bad. Not Hate's not the right word. I feel bad when guys that have really, you know, set a very high bar and have done something historical with the franchise they're at, and he did. I mean, he won two World Series games in a, in a year where they won the World Series. And for him to go out this way, this is how you, a lot of people are going to remember him. Not the good, the, at the end. They'll remember the good, though, because you still remember O.J. Simpson as a Bill. As opposed yeah. to as a 49er. He was tough to bring down. You still remember Willie Mays as a giant yeah. as opposed to a Met. Yeah, sure. You you still remember those guys you at mean, their you, pinnacle. You, you don't remember uh, Emmett Smith as a Cardinal? Yeah. Tony Dorsett as a Bronco? Those are not the memories that flood through. Johnny Unitas as a Charger? When you watch the old NFL films, they're not bringing up. And then at the end, he was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, true. But still, just... Um, Take the Band-Aid off, to use your expression, and um, and do what you should have done. On the other side, how about Corbin Burns? Oh, my God. Ten straight strikeouts. 
Third time in MLB history. Yeah, Aaron Nola and Tom Seaver are the other two. It's not bad. Pretty good company. Absolutely. Uh, especially the first one. Nola's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Speaking of the Seaver's White Sox, of their chances of winning it all. White Sox, by the way, 7-1 to one okay. to win the World Series at DraftKings. Uh, the Yankees, 13-1 to one right. currently there. The Brewers can win it all, too. Yeah. With their structure, with yeah. those two heavy hands yeah. at the front. They need more the from Yelich. That they do. Got it last night. Well, one night. I want to see it again. It was yeah. against Jake Arrieta in that bullpen. And how about the Willie Adams trade? I mean, that was an early trade. Adamus. Adamus, yeah. Was that late May? Uh, it was way before the trade deadline. That's been great for them. Yes. I mean, no, he, he has. He's provided a lot he's more. A spark plug. A lot more offense mm-hmm. than they anticipated. Mm-hmm. More known as a glove guy, but and an okay offensive player. Yeah, he's got no, a lot he of pop. Yeah. He's been really, really yep. good for them, and they need it in a big-time way. Brewers, same thing. You line What's them up. What's their price? Because mm, I've got a little. I've got to be cashing a couple of Brewers tickets. Yes, you are. Going to double down and get them at I, eleven to one. That's what they are, huh? That's what they are. Dodgers plus two ninety. Yeah, forget them. The Strohs eleven to two plus five fifty. Mm. There's the White Sox seven to one. Padres, Brewers, both eleven to one. Rays twelve to one. No thanks. I just don't want to bet on them because I don't want to. Yeah, root I'm with you. Right. They're Yankees thirteen. Giants fourteen. How about my Blow Jays? Twenty-two to one. Billy's at twenty-five to one. No, no. I don't know. I, I, mm, I like the White Sox seven to. I like the White Sox seven you can get to one. Both the Twins and the Cubs at a thousand to one. Can you? <laughs> that's what they are. <laughs> or you could just burn your money. Yeah, that's probably. Might get more uh, more of a kick out of doing that. Burn, yeah, because that's exactly what you're doing. Whether you do it on your app or you actually start to fire and throw it in, uh, unbelievable. So where do you? Where does this? What do you think this game is going to mean to the state of Iowa? Will this? Will this now forever be known as the single greatest sporting event in, in our state's history to this point? I mean, there's been some big games at Kinnick. There's been yes, some big games right. at Jack Trice. Mm-hmm. I can't put them in the same category as this. You know, if Iowa would have went on to win the 85 game against Michigan, one versus two, and won a national championship, maybe that would live even in bigger mm-hmm. kind of lore nationally mm-hmm. than it already does. But, yeah, with that, I don't think there's anything collegiately you can put there. Even when you talk about the first and second round of the NCAA tournament, the year that we had Kentucky oh, we had and great, Indiana yeah, absolutely. And, and big-time Kansas yeah. was here. Th- those programs big were time, here. Big-time programs, big-time coaches. Still first and second round. Right. Right. This, but is it's pretty different. cool. I'm not it, well, minimizing yeah, right, it right. by any means. This one, though, though it's just a singular one of one sixty-two. Mm-hmm. Everything that surrounds. I it. I wish we could, because um, I was not a metered market, right? Well, we know how many television sets in our state are turned on to this game. Oh, I wish. I wish we could too, because I think that this game is going to. And we should maybe reach out to Travis Dvorak at at, uh, at Wild Rose. Mm-hmm. Just to see if he can get either Bet Rivers or DraftKings to send him some info on how much money is wagered on this game tonight. You're right. I mean, it's a Thursday night. How much is it going to do? Five times as much action? Is it 20 times I, as it's, much? It's a, it's a really, I think, um, I would love to know the answer to that. One thing I haven't looked at, I, I thought of it last night, and I didn't see anything because I looked a couple of different places, is there's going to be more special props for this game tonight? Oh, is there? I, I was just wondering. I uh-huh. was looking at it. I would think there would be. I saw DraftKings. It was early evening last night. I already had the line up for the game, yeah. but no specialties. And and I'll take a look here during one of the breaks at a couple of different places and see if they do have any specialty props out there. More yeah. of them. How many corn home runs? You know, that, that kind of thing. Are you going to bet the game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I'm going to be locked in this thing. I'm locked in. Pre-game show at Me 6 too. o'clock. Me too. Pre-game show's at 5 o'clock, isn't it? Is it 5? I think it's 5 hour time. 6.15 is first pitch. 
Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Oh, and I know that uh, MLB Network is there. All Kevin Millar's there, uh, and whatever show he's part of. Mm-hmm. I think it's five o'clock. Six fifteen is first pitch. So, and you know who's done a phenomenal job with this? You're right, Tommy Birch. Yes, he has. Tommy Birch um, has done it, f- and I'm not. Su- I'm not surprised by this by any means. He's uh, the register. Uh, has done a great job covering this event mm-hmm. and setting us up for this event. Um, and I'm sure throughout the night, will and all the TV stations were there. I know five was there. I know Murph was there. I'm assuming eight was there yesterday as mm-hmm. well for Media Day and all the other stations uh, around the state were there and got a little sneak peek at uh, what we're going to see. Because Birchie alluded to something, the pregame or the opening montage videos is, I believe he tweeted somewhere on something. Is appointment TV? Oh, really? They gave the media uh, an opportunity to watch that. It was playing on the screen yesterday, um, and look, I, I'm with you, Trent. I'm going to tune in for the for the pregame show, right up into it. And again, I don't care if it's a blowout game. I think you're going to stick with it because Fox is making this kind of look. It's not the Super Bowl, but for a regular season game, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they've devoted more resources to a regular season game tonight than they have on any other other telecast and probably by a fair margin. Um they're all the all the brass is staying downtown in Dubuque. Okay. I stayed there oh, at really? an old hotel. Mm-hmm. I think it was Dubuque. I wish I knew the name. It was really a really nice property. I like I, Dubuque. As a long wooden bar, I remember that, and they had Stella, which moved way up in my book. I know know what that means. I saw it firsthand in Vegas, (laughs) as Kaylee, your son, was chasing around the taps all around South Point. There's one way in the far end, son, you get that a beer, would you? That's a great, but you know what? That was great having a caddy. Um, But what was the name of this place? Historical Hotel. I'm guessing that's where all the big wigs and the brass are staying. Um, Players won't be. No, no, no. That's not saying. But Kevin Costner is. Yes. He's saying, how about that video when he walked out onto the field? Did you yeah. see that? I mean, did you see uh, the Little League game they had last night? I did. It was on FS1. I flipped oh, over I to it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. I just saw stuff on Twitter. Flipped over to it for just, uh, just a couple it? minutes. Kevin Burkhart. No kidding. Yes. And the kid that hit the grand slam in the I first saw inning. That. that was unbelievable. I mean, goosebumps. Absolute yes. goosebumps for that, that kid. That kid will man. never forget that as long as he lives. It was awesome. As long as he lives, he'll never forget. I didn't know that, Trent. Damn it. I was watching the disaster that is the Chicago Cubs and Jake Arietta. Hotel Julian. That's it. Hotel Julian. Thank you to the caller who just helped us out. Thank you. Yeah, what a great place. Yeah. I just got it to a Julian Hotel. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Our text, rather. Um, yeah, great place. I love staying there. Really cool bar and good food in the restaurant. Anyways, we'll get to, let's do away from that. Uh, that brought to you by uh, the Chamber of Commerce in Dubuque. Uh, John Cannon joins the program. He was regaling us with a story yesterday about his friend and former roommate, Greg Knapp, who lost his life, uh, sadly, in a bicycle accident. He was a part of the Jets coaching staff, won a Super Bowl. Uh, he was on Gary Kubiak's staff uh, in Denver for Super Bowl 50, was with the Niners, with the A. Are with the uh, with the Raiders rather when they were in Oakland, and we ran out of hours. John Cannon, um, nothing we could do. So take it away. How are you? Good to talk to you. Where were you in your uh, dissertation when uh, it came to an end? Well, what I'd like to do because you probably have a few listeners that weren't here yesterday. That's true. Different um, time slot. Go ahead. 
Yeah, is 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 um is circle back a little bit. Um, first of all, I for Iowa people that have not heard me heard me on your show before. I'm I'm from the Bay Area. I have um, I've been on with with Kent and Trent a lot of talking about the the Warriors when they were relevant. So we might be doing some more of that this year. Uh, we've kind of had a couple of years off from that. Uh, but I my first real job um, was in St. Louis as a P- program or as a publicity director for what was then the Gateway Conference. Um, Drake was a member. I, I never made it to Des Moines, but I got back to California to take a job at Sacramento State University uh, after one year here in the Midwest. And the quarterback for that team was Greg Knapp. He was the fifth-year senior, and he was a classic cut. You know, great-looking guy, nice guy, good quarterback. You know, you think, um, but it's Division Two, a non-scholarship school. What's, what's this guy ever going to going to do? Right. So he was a. a, a Really good guy. So we became good friends because I was only a couple of years older than him. And we became roommates, as I said yesterday. And greatest roommate ever. Just a nice guy from a nice family and, and all that. So when he started coaching, was he, got, he went to a couple of training camps after his senior year. And he, he discovered that they needed camp quarterbacks at training camps. So for the next eight years... He served as a camp quarterback, first for the Raiders and then for the Niners, while he was coaching at Sacramento State. And he would go in to the coaches and say, okay, you got to cut me on August 4th because that's when our camp starts at Sac State. So he would be on the roster throwing balls to all the receivers and all the running backs. How much did he get? Do you know, say, what did they pay him? Any idea? They, probably a per diem. Okay. You know, a, a per diem and a small, a small wage. But he was in NFL training camp yeah. every year. And then... In 95, they hired him, offensive quality control guy for the 49ers. And that started this 25-year run hmm. of being a full-time NFL head coach. And, and, it, it's, and it's partly because, as you guys said, he, is, he was such a nice guy, just an addition to whatever you had going on. He was never a detriment. He was always an addition. And, and, and the more he was around and ingratiated himself, the more people wanted him to be around. So it started a, a thing where he, he got fired a lot. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing when you know a coach in the NFL, you learn how, how somebody who's really good at their job can get fired all the time. <laughs> As an assistant coach, you have no control over that. That's right. You know, the head coach is the guy who triggers that, but you get you lost in the shuffle. You're, you know, you're, you're looking for a new address, too. Collateral so damage. What's interesting is when you – yeah, you look through his Wikipedia page, though, he gets fired, you know – Every third December, and then three weeks later, he gets hired someplace. He was never out of work, including the one year I was starting to talk about yesterday where he wanted to be out of work. He had been hired by the Raiders on a two-year deal, $400,000 more than he'd ever made, and he didn't want to go to the Raiders because he'd been there before, and he knew it was going to be a disaster. But $400,000, it was like twice as much as he'd ever made, and it was a two-year contract, which was unusual for him. So he took the job. This is Dennis Allen's first year. It was the first year after Al Davis died, and... And it was a total train wreck. And he knew it from the start. He, he was talking to Dennis Allen saying, Dennis, you've got to tell Mark Davis what's going to happen here or it's going to be really bad when he finds out how bad we're going to be. Well, sure enough, they were bad. And Mark Davis at the end of the year said, you've got to change the offense, get rid of this coordinator. Uh, it was the zone blocking scheme, which, by the way, pretty much all the good teams in the NFL run. <laughs> the Raiders decided, no, we don't want to do that. So he got fired with a year remaining on his contract. At $400,000, his daughter was going to be a senior in high school, and he thought, perfect, I'll take the year off, I'll do the dad things I've never been able to do, 
and it'll be great. So he's on his way back to Houston, and he gets a phone call, and it's Denver. So he's like, look, I'm interested, but i got to talk to my daughter. So he goes home, and he, he goes into Jordan's room, and he says, honey, we talked about this. I was just going to be the dad uh, this year, but I got a call, and she said, who's from? And he said, Denver. And she said, are you kidding me? Peyton freaking Manning? <laughs> you got to take that job. And he did. And and he got not only a Super Bowl ring out of it, which is what you know all the bios will say, he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. But three years in the quarterback room with Peyton Manning wow. was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, and here's a guy that worked with Steve Young. He worked with Matt Ryan, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, he worked with Michael Vick, who's not going to be in the Hall of Fame, but was spectacular mm-hmm. and a completely different kind of quarterback. Yeah, he was the run against the Vikings will live forever. Yeah, and and a thousand yard rushing QB. Greg was the offensive coordinator for that. Hmm. You know, he he helped make that happen, and so he was just really flexible with whatever he had working. But it it was amazing how every you know then the Broncos Kubiak. All, he he thought he was set up for the Broncos. You know, for years Kubiak gets sick, he retires. They bring in Fox. Fox gets fired. Vance Joseph comes in. Well, Greg worked with Vance Joseph somewhere along the way. I don't even know where. He thought, okay, I should be good here. Nope, Vance Joseph's got his own guy. So he's out looking for another two weeks, and then the Falcons hired him back to work with – because Ryan wanted him back. And so he was with the Falcons. I was actually doing a loan for him last year, Ken, because I'm a mortgage guy now. And I'm trying to explain to an underwriter how this guy whose house is in California, and it's his primary residence, his wife lives there and and their daughters – he lives in Atlanta <laughs> most of the year, and an underwriter is trying to get their heads around how this could be an owner-occupied property when he doesn't live there most of the year. Um, but it, it was that—that that was his—that was the life. That was, you know, that was how they had to had to had to do business. And and it's, but it was—he was my window to the NFL. When something would happen, I would text him and say, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And he'd text me back because he knew that I wouldn't go on the radio and say what whatever he was. Um, whatever he told me and it was it was very very interesting no it's just a a fascinating story i'm glad you shared it with us because look peyton manning wrecked as we said yesterday he took a minute out of his speech to recognize his friend greg knapp so and the uh, the outpouring uh, of sympathy and stories um you know since the since he was in the accident it became apparent he probably wasn't going to make it then ultimately lost uh, lost his life very very sad and Ken, far i was too shocked soon. i was not bad i mean at the length the length of the article in espn shocked me yeah. i thought you know assistant coach dies right. that was what was going to happen yeah, right. it was so much more than that mm-hmm. they talked to so many people who all said the same thing about what a great guy he was and i mentioned yesterday and i think it bears repeating that this loss Anytime a coach loses their life mid-career, it's tragic. And coaches all over the league, every coaching room has somebody that coached with Greg Knapp, and, and that, that room is going to be affected by that. Mm-hmm. But with Greg, the NFL front offices all over the league, there are people who worked with, with him and who felt this because he was nice to everybody. He was nice to the HR people. He was nice to the front office, the accounting people. He was just Goes nice. a long way. And, you know, a lot of coaches are not really like right. that. Let's talk quickly about the Jets because I know you guys are pushed for time, but you guys have gamblers listening to your show, I think. I'm just guessing. A few. Is it just, possible? J- j- yeah, okay, just right. maybe, you know. Uh, the, so I'm, I'm not a tout by any means, but this is the kind of thing that people 
who sometimes gamble on sports <laughs> don't think about these kind of backstories. And, and I base this on, did you happen to see the coverage of the Jets scrimmage last weekend? It's not going well for the rookie quarterback. Terrible. He was awful. Yeah. Nobody in any of those stories mentioned that he lost his mentor yeah. suddenly mm-hmm. three weeks ago. That's a good point. Nobody mentioned that. Excellent point. He, Greg Knapp was hired to help them select who they were going to take and then coach that guy up and coach up their quarterback coach. you know how old their quarterback coach is? How old? 20 what? 31. Wow. 31. Jeez. He was six. The first year Greg Knapp drew an NFL check, that mm. quarterback coach was six years old. The offensive coordinator was eight. Mm. You know when you walk into a plane and you look in the cockpit and you want to see some gray hair? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Greg Knapp was the gray hair in that quarterback room, mm-hmm. and it's gone. So you've got a quarterback coach that doesn't know what he's doing yet. It's not his fault. And you've got an OC who's trying to learn how to be an OC. And a rookie quarterback. And you've got a quarterback who is absolutely – so I would just say, if you're thinking over-under on, on the Jets this year, I, I think under is a heck of a play. John Cannon, we're out of time. Thank you for sharing the stories of your Thanks, friend, guys. Greg. I really appreciate yeah, it. I pre- we appreciate you coming on. Thank you, John. I'm um, glad he came, called back, and, yeah. uh, and finished because we ran out of hour yesterday. What's the Jets' total? <laughs> Four and a half. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. Buffalo's going to win a lot of football games. Miami's going to win a lot of football games. New England's going to bounce back as I much as you so. hate it. 500, maybe yeah. a little bit above. We can't be 500 anymore, you can can't. you? Well, let's get a tie in there. Yeah, eight, that's eight, true. One. It's not mathematically impossible. We've got to get a break. We've got Mitch Holtis in 20 minutes. Before that, David Eichel covers the University of Iowa's football team. He's next. Miller and Condon. 1460 kicks in 0106. They made it to the... Welcome back, Millery Condon, 1035, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, the voice of the Chiefs in 15 minutes. Mitch Holtis uh, will join us uh, without further ado, because we only got about 10 minutes with David Eicholt and a lot of ground to cover with him, 24-7 sports, HawkeyeInsider.com. David Trenton, Ken, as always, we appreciate you coming on and helping us out. How are you, David? Hey, things going well, guys. Appreciate you having me back on. And uh, football's closer than ever and some sense of normalcy. So uh, really can't wait to see everybody get rallied around and everything like that. And I think the Field of Dreams tonight has been a pretty good indicator yeah. of what the excitement level is going to be. No no doubt about it. You know what? Respect to you. Uh, you pointed out a you know a fellow sports media. But the job Tommy Birch is doing, uh, We Trent and I talked about it earlier in the show, saw that you tweeted out uh, accolades uh, from your Twitter account. He's done a great job. So, uh, anyways, uh, that tells me a lot about you, David I. Colton. I appreciate that. So, let's get into a tomorrow media day. I guess, um, what do you want to know, David, What from uh, whether one of the coordinators or position coaches or... Or the head man himself. What's the burning question that you have that you'll take to media day tomorrow? You know, I'm going to go off the off the off the script a little bit. I'm actually very excited to talk to the true freshmen. I mean, this is the first time in I think 12 or 13 years that true freshmen are actually allowed to talk at media day. So I'm really interested in going yeah. up to Kellen Copeland, talking to him about Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson. And Keegan Johnson's a fairly serious guy, but the buzz I've heard behind the scenes and obviously on the record throughout spring ball. It's really not going to surprise me. Maybe this will be my hot take, first hot take of this segment. I think Keegan Johnson will be wide receiver number three after a month of the season. I mean, he, he's a guy who I think is going to make a big impact this year. 
I think Tyrone Tracy obviously is going to lead the way. Nico Regani is going to be that good possession receiver. Mm-hmm. But the buzz I've heard about Keegan and the work he's put in and his understanding of, of just the offense and football itself, it's, it's far and away advanced of what a freshman should be. So I'm eager to talk to Kelton about that, and I'm eager to talk to Keegan about kind of how the experience has been so far. And I think another offensive question, obviously Spencer Petrus and his improvements could be the big mark, but who's going to be behind Tyler Goodson? Because obviously Ivory Kelly Martin's list is the backup on the depth chart. But I think Gavin Williams, what he showed you know, last year at times and the buzz I've heard you know, about him as well. And I love the way his skill set would complement Goodson's in the backfield. I, maybe not the best comparison, but the first one that comes to mind, obviously, is the Akron Wiley LaShawn Daniels, that power versus sort of finesse. Um, so I'm eager to hear about that, and I'm eager to hear about how the defensive line is really starting to come into fruition. Obviously, third straight year, they've lost three starters on that line. Uh, Davion Nixon, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, is going to be big, a big loss. But I really think there's a lot of untapped potential in, you know, in that defensive line room, but they just got to get the reps. And not that you know the pressure really kind of is on, because I've said this too, I think Iowa's got the toughest opening two weeks Oof. in all of college football with Indiana and Iowa State. It is. Uh, one, two, and two teams, one at number 17, the other at number eight, your first two weeks. Going to be a test for the Hawkeyes right away. Going to be a test also for that offensive line. You mentioned the freshman. A little bit of a surprise to me to see Connor Colby was the one that was listed mm-hmm. as the backup at one of the tackle spots as opposed to David Davikov, who at least uh, coming out of high school had bigger offers. Still a true freshman in the two deeps already. Before we even get to August camp, that was eye-opening there. Your thoughts overall on the offensive line and seeing Colby listed right away? Yeah, you know, I do think David Davidkoff has a chance to actually be there near the end of the season. He had a couple of nicks and bruises coming in, so he missed a lot of spring. I think if he had been able to go through spring ball and a lot of summer workouts, I really think he could make that push. But, you know, Colby, is, that's very intriguing to me, and I asked Kirk Ferentz about that during Big Ten media days. And, you know, Kirk's not one to really, you know, boost the ego of true freshmen up. But he said, look, I'm, you know, he, he did a heck of a job through 15 practices. And I don't normally say that, but I'm going to go on, I'll go on the record. I think he's got a very good career at the University of Iowa. So that's pretty high praise from a guy who likes to sort of temper and manage egos at times. Uh, but, you know, I think the big storyline for me, Trent, was, Obviously, going into spring, Cody Ince was listed as that starting tackle spot with Nick DeJean as the backup. But obviously now, Cody Ince, they flipped him back inside to guard, and now Nick DeJean's sort of taken over that starting tackle spot with Colby emerging as that backup. So, you know, they've praised Cody Ince for his versatility on the offensive line. They said he can play any of the five positions, and I think this is going to be one of those years and under first year uh, offensive line coach George Barnett where the best five guys are going to play, and they believe that they have the versatility uh, to do that, but that also makes me think: Where does Justin Britt fit in the equation? Obviously, Kyler Shot has one of the guard spots locked down, but Justin Britt, if he can stay healthy, I really do think he's he could be a big impact player, and I think he could be in that sort of rotation uh, at guard if if he can stay healthy. But yeah, I, I'm interested to see what Nick DeJong can do, and we'll see you know how much Kids Day scrimmage actually. Uh, uh, tells us, and I can't wait to overanalyze every single rep of that. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, is there a, sort of, um, maybe a rumor out there that shots hurt? I was exchanging tweets with somebody, a mm-hmm. Hawkeye fan, the other day, uh, and mentioned that Justin Britt seemed to be, we all look at those still pictures, right, trying to, oh, what can we find out in this? Well, here's something we didn't think was going to yep. be. Um, is, is shot hurt? fast in the photos, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I love that. Uh, what's the latest on shot? Any news there? 
You know, I don't have anything confirmed. Obviously, I've heard it through the grapevine as well, and I'll be asking, you know, obviously Kirk Ferris and George Barnett kind of what his status is. Uh, I don't think it's anything particularly serious, but, you know, for as much crap as we sort of get for overanalyzing the film, I do think it's worth noting that I have not seen Kyler shot in those photos. I have not seen him in the films, and I think it's kind of, you know, maybe irresponsible to uh, not look into that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I haven't had any confirmation on what the extent of the injury could be. Um, But from what I'm hearing, at least, it's not going to be particularly serious. But I do think at this moment it's fair to say that his status for week one could be up in the air. And if that happens, I think Justin Britz could be that next guy up. Got a quick uh, off-the-beaten-path question. Saw. The Carlos O'Kelly's commercial yesterday with Dane Belton, Tyler Goodson there, and former Hawkeye Keith Duncan, a little shade by Keith Duncan at the end of it, blowing the kisses to the Nebraska fans there. We've seen a lot, though, of Dane Belton and Tyler Goodson. It seems like those two guys are at the forefront here of name, image, and likeness. Who else do you anticipate we're going to be seeing more of as we get to the fall? I think Tyrone Tracy. I think Tyrone Tracy is one of the most personal guys I've talked to, at least since Mm. I started covering this beat. He's a very social guy. He gives good insight, and I think he's sort of got that infectious, magnetic personality. I think he could be on the forefront of that. You know, it is interesting because I think I think Arlen Bruce, the more playing time he gets, the more opportunities are going to go to him. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Arlen Bruce sort of in that category. Um, that's a really good question, though. I, you know, I'll say this. I think Kevon Merriweather would be very open to that, too. And, you know, Kevon's sort of that same energy as Tyrone Tracy, so... Perhaps maybe a couple of those names, but guys like Seth Benson, Jack Campbell, and, you know, Yahweh Black, who I think could be a big name people want to keep an eye on this year, defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. Those are the more kind of under-the-radar, very football-minded guys. But, you know, who knows? If the right opportunity comes about, they uh, they might be taking advantage of that as well. How much playing time will Arlen Bruce get, do you think? You know, I think he has a chance to break through in that top four, top five. I think he brings something different to the table. I mean, obviously, you guys saw what he did in high school. Just he's a, he's a natural runner. He's got natural shiftiness, and I think he's come a long way in his route running. And I think physically he's built already to compete at this level. I think it's just learning the system and really nailing down one of those spots. But I think you'll see him in some specialty packages, and and I think you have to find ways to get him involved just because he does have that different sort of skill set. And remember, he played a lot of wildcat quarterback in high school for three years, uh, put up some ridiculous numbers. So maybe. Maybe Brian says, you know what, Arlen, you've earned the right. We're going to throw you in at Wildcat. Maybe throw in a Tyrone Tracy, Tyler Goodson, Arlen Bruce package. I mean, I think Kinnick would implode if that happened, but uh, you never know. They might want to get a little bit creative there. Yeah, and speaking of that, that Wildcat, we're waiting for Goodson to throw it for the first time. Duke can heave it. There's video of him chucking the ball back in high school. He's got a norm to him. Same thing with Bruce. Going to be fun. And Brian... Feels like they have opened up so much more of what they've done with the running game. Not just the Wildcat, but it's not strictly zone blocking there. There's a lot more gap schemes, a lot more things that I think this offense has a chance, of course quarterback being the biggest part of that, to take a big step forward. They averaged over 30 a game last year. Yeah, and I I think that's the intriguing part, too. And even going just in the recruiting lines, I mean, you think of Joey Lavis, what he did in high school, true freshman, now he's the fourth string. I mean, he, he was a mobile quarterback in high school. Look at 2022 commit Carson May. Big body guy, but he, he's not afraid to run the football either. So I think Iowa is trying to go after more of these, you know, mobile sort of quarterbacks. And I'm very, in, you know, I'm interested to see what Brian does there. And I'll say this: I mean, I think Brian just opening the playbook. I think now that he's had a few years' experience, I mean, he's, you know, you guys know him. He's a very football-minded guy. He overanalyzes every reps. He's unapologetic. 
but I do think he learns. I think he's learned a lot over the past couple of years, and I think it's shown by – I mean, go back five years. Do you really think Iowa's running the Wildcat? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I, I think people, you know, for as much, you know, criticism as he gets, I think you need to give him a lot for opening up the playbook and continuing to evolve. And all the talk about Iowa's offense not being explosive, I mean, they averaged 34 points a game last year. Yeah, they might not hit the big plays. It's still Iowa football. Uh, but I do think you have to give the Wildcats some credit, and I think that they're getting more versatile and even more athletic guys to be able to run these sort of things. David Eicholt, uh, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports. David, keep up the good work over there. We appreciate your contribution, uh, and we look forward to having you on in the weeks ahead. Thank you, David. Hey, thanks, guys. Always appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, good care. to talk to you. David Eichel, 24-7 Sports. 24-7 Sports, say it all the time, but they got a couple of good ones in our state. A mm-hmm. couple of kids who really hustle. Not kids, but, you know, relatively young, young in their career. Right. David Eichel, and of course, uh, Michael Swain uh, from CycloneAlert.com, and he will join us tomorrow to talk Iowa State. We'll take a break. Mitch Holtis is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's coming up next with his daily report live from training camp, Miller and Condon, 1460 KX. No one, 100 bets off. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Back at Chiefs Camp today after we uh, aired a taped spot yesterday. He's Mitch Holtis. He's the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I just hit the wrong button, Trent Condon. I'll get used to this. On, off. Uh, Mitch Holtis momentarily. We'll get Mitch Holtis. He is going to continue uh, his spotlight at some of the young uh, guys on the roster. Some of the uh, guys that uh, you know weren't first-round picks, second-round picks, weren't maybe household names early, but are certainly setting their own path. Let's hit this button, the proper button. Mitch, my apologies. I hit the wrong button. How are you? Ken did it. I was chewing Trent about it. No, no, no. no. I'm back from vacation. Guy. I'm I'm 100. percent No, it's me. It's oh. it's the old man that needs the break. Uh, oh, it's the Canadian guy. Yes, okay. indeed. Hey, speaking yeah, of the Canadian okay. guy, my Canadian guy is hurt. Duvernay Tardif's going to miss some time. Broke his hand. They're saying four to six weeks. And you know, and and honestly, I'll get to it Friday. It's it's one of the interesting dynamics of this game. Saturday night is you've got these guys that have started that are now twos, and and, and yeah. Loren would be in that group. But as it stands, now you just kind of set him on the side and see what happens when he comes back. But a broken hand, looking at him now, he's over in the tent doing his workouts, but not on the field. Hmm. You know what I found out from an email that you sent to Trent and I uh, is you're going to be traveling again. So we, we wondered about that earlier, one of our early conversations in the month of August, and there'd been no clarity yet, not only with the Chiefs, but around the league. But you're getting on an airplane with the rest of the team tomorrow on uh, and headed to, uh, to the preseason opener in San Fran. There's so many people that can be in each tier, and Tier 1 is the players, coaches, trainers, I mean, in the trenches every minute, every day. Now, if you're Tier 2, which I am currently, I can travel with the team, but I have to be tested weekly and I have to be careful. I'm not going to be at the Iowa State Fair selling funnel cakes to everybody. I've got to be vigilant, and that's where I'm at. But it'll be awesome to get on that plane with the guys, even though I can't, you know, give them all a hug. Well, today's report, Mitch, is about Mike Dana, a guy that uh-huh. Hawkeye fans in here in our state will know well, not just because he ended up in Michigan, but Iowa recruited him very hard as a grad transfer. He ultimately ended up with Michigan, but I know the Hawkeyes were heavily involved there. What can you tell us about the rookie and showing up here at training camp? 
Well, it was a miss for Iowa because he was really good for Michigan. He would have been really good for Coach Ferentz, uh, and he's really good for us. I, I, he's actually been a surprise to me and one of the bigger surprises of this camp because he has elevated uh, so highly from year one to year two. Mm-hmm. And I had a great chance to talk with him, but he's got the right mindset and dove in. The, the, the BD he's going to mention on this cut is Brandon Daly. I'll talk about him in a second. But Mike Dana is now a factor for this team, another second-year player who's emerging. BD got us right during the offseason, during the season last year, and taught us a lot about fundamentals, whether it's leverage, footwork, hand placement, all types of things. So perfecting those things uh, is really le- letting me increase my game. And, man, it's just expanding my role, man. You know, I-, I love being versatile. You know, it got me doing a little um, linebacker dropping back, D-tackle pass rushing, DM pass rushing. So, man, it's just adding more to the resume, and it's pretty cool, man. And he just made a play three minutes ago where he was on a pass rush and got an inside rush so fast. He's, he's not the biggest guy, but he's going to be a perfect complement to the other guys uh, on this defensive line. Uh, Mitch, it is so important that uh, not only hit with your first-round pick, and I think you threw the number out, you want to get three or four out of every draft. Uh, where yeah. the Chiefs have been drafting, look, their success puts them at the end of the draft the last few years. The scouting department, the general manager, everybody's got to do their job to find these guys that you're going to draft late in the fifth round or in the sixth round, uh, as we saw with the case with Trey Smith this year, making an immediate impact. Uh, these guys deserve a lot of credit, Mitch, for what they do leading up to that uh, week in April, uh, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the draft. A football uh, phrase is stack them up. You want players to stack them up. Like, can I do a good play on top of a good play? Well, in the draft rooms, you want to stack them up. You've got to hit a class and then hit a class right behind it. It appears the early returns are that the Chiefs have done exactly that with the 2020 COVID class in this group in 2021. But as I mentioned to you, and I'll say it a thousand more times, with Patrick Mahomes in his different (laughs) – contract now with a contract of Mahomes is going to eat up uh, a, you know, a much as fourth of your salary cap. It's not a luxury to stack them up. You must hit or you're not going to make it. Uh, Seattle's been good. They've won with Russ Wilson in this second or third lap for him, but they haven't been the Seattle of old. They can't get over the hump. And a lot of it is they can't get their defense figured out. Well, they're going to have to hit on guys like I'm talking about. I mentioned Wharton yesterday, yep. Mike Dana today, Legeria Sneed on Tuesday. Those guys are all sophomores who were value picks in the draft that are becoming winning players, and some could become stars. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. And, yes, the 12-year contract worth half a billion dollars is going to keep him around for a long time. But now he's got his favorite fast food joint, too. What a burger coming to Kansas City. It's not Papa John's, but pretty good. It's, you know, it's acquired taste. I, I've been in Texas a lot, uh, doing games. My son coached there, uh, in Belton, Texas for four years. And my, uh, daughter-in-law was in, uh, I did her medical residency in Temple between Wake. So I, I, point is, I know all about Whataburger. And okay, I'm not as much of a Whataburger fan as Patrick, <laughs> but it's, hey, we're good. We're, we're there. We got it. And Ken will like it because it's orange. He likes the color orange. Yes, indeed. Uh, we won't see Patrick Mahomes on Saturday night. I'm guessing a lot of Henny and Buchel. Is that how they're going to handle it, Mitch? Yeah, don't overlook Gordon, the kid from Washington State. Okay, He's there right now, as I say it. He's, they're working on some red zone work, and he's the quarterback. I, I 
you'll see a lot of both of Bushell and Gordon, but don't be stunned if Gordon runs in there before Bushell. Mm. It's been uh, back and forth in this camp. But Gordon, who was a high uh, productivity guy in his one year, he basically played, but he was in that air raid offense. He was with Leach and put up some numbers to look him up. But he seems to handle the pro game pretty well. So they've got to protect him and run it. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's they're battling, they're racing for the practice squad because neither one will be on the 53-man roster. Uh, I was just, I I meant to ask you, I was asked to ask you about Kalen, I think his name is Kalen Saunders, kid from Western Hill. Colin Saunders. Colin Saunders. What kind of camp is he having, Mitch? He was great in 19, backed up in 20. The COVID year did not treat him well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin is a large man with a lower base. Um, he's looks like your heavyweight wrestler. Um, but he's he's bounced back in this camp. It's been good to see because uh, Colin's you know fighting for that roster spot. He's yeah. always going to be a marginal guy, but he has actually accounted for himself very well as a Western Illinois leatherneck. Uh, Papa, good kid, good, good kid, and he's powerful. Uh, we're almost out of time, Mitch. Let's talk about the Donaldsons and Papa John's for a second. Well, real quick. I mean, they've got this Parma Papadilla, and that's what they're hitting on now at the special, like seven bucks. I mentioned it, man. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Who knows? Great for lunch. Actually, it's a good option there. They've also got a large one-top special that you can check them out at PapaJohns.com. And then again with the Donaldsons, they spend every day trying to figure out how they can help. Not only their customers, but all the folks of Iowa. Uh, and I always love talking about them every day with you guys because they're special people and special operators. We will talk Iowa's more about them. To have them. Indeed we are. We'll talk more about them tomorrow. Thank you, Mitch Holtis.